Hello, everyone, and welcome to Film Folks, the podcast where two film enthusiasts, Mia and Naomi, talk about our favorite movies. For this spooky edition, we're going to be analyzing my favorite horror movie, Ari Aster's Hereditary. This one is wild. It is definitely what shaped the newest, most artistic horror movies on the market. Just a warning, this contains major spoiler alerts. Yeah, it definitely gave popularity to a style of horror that makes you feel more disturbed or horrified than just plain scared. And it is very graphic, and we will be talking about that. So, shall we go over the plot? Alrighty. So, the story follows the lives of a family after the loss of their eccentric, hermited grandmother. Then again, the loss of a child. The mother of the family, Annie, who is played by Tony Collette, attempts to reconnect with her daughter through a crazy ritual. Then, the entire family is either possessed or killed by a long line of cultists and their puppet master, Payman, one of the kings of hell, after it is revealed that the grandmother was the leader of a cult. And the way Annie's kid, the youngest of two, dies is the most insane part of the movie. Basically, Charlie, who is the youngest, played by Millie Shapiro, is forced to go to a party with her big brother Peter, who's played by Alex Wolfe. It's established in the very first scene that she has a horrible nut allergy and loves chocolate. And in the very first shot that introduces us to the party, a girl is shown cutting up walnuts for a chocolate cake she's baking. Hmm, convenient, right? Then, when Peter disappears to go hang out with his buddies and leaves her alone to eat some cake because he knows chocolate is her favorite, Charlie starts going into anaphylactic shock. So she interrupts his little partying to tell him she can't breathe, and he rushes her to the hospital. And on the way there, Charlie opens the car window and sticks her head out so she can breathe better. But Peter's, like, speeding down this long, dark road. And then, to avoid hitting roadkill, he swerves to the right, and Charlie is decapitated by a telephone pole. Peter turns to stone and just, like, starts driving back home. He does not tell his parents at all, and he just goes to bed. And in the morning, and he stumbles upon her kid, whose head is on the pavement, eaten by ants. It was scarring. It was literally horrible. Still watch the movie multiple times, though. Oh, you know it. I feel like the second watch was just as good as the first. You pick up on tiny details like payment symbol on the grandmother's necklace and the telephone pole that decapitates Charlie, the tongue clicking take being passed on from Charlie to Peter after he dies, or the several cultists that can be spotted roaming around the house at night right under everyone's noses. Even just the fact that you know all the grandma's strange behavior, like her trying to breastfeed Charlie as a baby or attempting to give payment the body of her husband and son in the past which resulted in their deaths is so clearly foreshadowing on the second watch but we just play it off as a weird first time through the horror in the film is a lot more more subtle than traditional scary movies too i'd say the closest it gets to a normal horror movie is a premise it's about a devilly demony cult and also during the scary sequence of the movie when payment possesses peter and annie is possessed by her mother it is pitch black outside. Other than that, it almost completely strays away from traditional horror tropes. There's not a single jump scare in the movie, and it's probably because Ari Aster was originally set on writing a melodrama based on a middle-class family. 
And I think if you've seen the movie, it makes total sense. First of all, Toni Collette's I'm Your Mother monologue was incredible. She was seriously snubbed at the Oscars because, like, wow. Agreed. The words themselves in the monologue aren't really that centered around anything cult-related. They're just about how she wants more respect for all the work she does and how she's super upset with Peter for never apologizing about playing a hand in accidentally killing his younger sister. Yeah, and Annie feeling guilty about almost killing him several times, but that can be explained by the mental illness she inherited from her mother and gained when half of her family growing up died on their own account. See, Annie just has trauma. It's just a melodrama after all. (laughs) I'd still call it horror, though. One of the newest, most amazing, creepy movies that recently has come out, Get Out, is considered to be a psychological thriller by most, just because it has a lot to do with mind games, even though some people say it's a horror movie. But most people, including myself, would agree that Hereditary weans more on the side of horror, just because the main part of its plot, the Graham family being sacrificial lambs to one of Hell's Kings, is definitely a more classic horror trope. Uh, classic cult story. But speaking of them being sacrificial lambs, that is actually very clear that that is what the entire Graham family is. Oh, for sure. And we should note from the very start, Annie is an artist who displays her family struggles through miniature scenes in her life, almost like a dollhouse. Let me just say, the owner of this dollhouse, who treats the Grams as pawns in their bidding, is definitely Pyman. Aw, he's just a little girl playing with his dollies. Um, yeah, sure. But this movie is another one that sort of plays on our biggest fear, that we don't have free will. Now maybe the Graham family just lost theirs when Grandma sold her soul to the devil, but you could just as easily say they were a normal family that was stripped of their rights to their own destiny. I so agree. Another theme we can pull is how trauma can affect a family. Now, whether you're talking about Annie's trauma from genetic mental illness and a negligent mother, the death of a matriarch, or the death of a child, there's always some sort of trauma pushing the plot along. If it wasn't for Annie thinking her mom has dementia, she might have noticed all her weird culty behavior and put a stop to the whole possession thing. But then we wouldn't have this awesome movie, and I wouldn't get to see a demon possessing everyone via sparkly light. (laughs) How could we forget? The special effects in this film are insane, and part of the reason it never comes off as cheesy. They're almost too good. Charlie's decomposing severed head is an image I will never cleanse from my mind. And when the dad caught on fire, it was so realistic I almost had a heart attack. For me, the best effects were either when Annie's being possessed by her mother, and she starts to, like, climb around on the ceiling... Because of the part where she's just chilling in the corner above Peter's bed waiting to kill him, I literally check the corner of my room every night before I go to bed. I'm not kidding. And when Peter has his little seizure in school when Payment first tries to possess him, but he's still alive, so it doesn't really work, I freaked out. The way his face contorted was so nasty and too realistic, and it definitely scarred me a little. Okay, but in one of the last shots, when Peter's face starts to swell after he dies and is finally completely possessed, I got so scared that I went home and watched the scene again. I thought I was just imagining everything, but lo and behold, you can see his nose grow right in front of your eyes. This movie is not for the weak. It is seriously scary. Like, 
past the point of just flinching when something bad is happening. You'll think about the last sequence for a month after you watch it. Trust me. Yeah, okay, you big baby. Anyways, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in tomorrow for our analysis of The Haunting of Hill House. Bye, y'all!